I was stressed out every single week preparing at night. Oh my God, what's a stock option? Oh my God, a long straddle. Oh my, wait, how do you explain that again? It's February 1st, 2019, and welcome to C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I'm Adam Evermescu. Now I'm Dave Darrington. And we are here with Bill Cashard. Hey guys. Wow. Hey, we're back. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all back together. Now, some of you may know Bill as the host of Helping Cells Radio, uh, another very popular podcast. I'm not saying ours is popular, but but his is. I think it's I, I think it's becoming popular. <laughs> and also as um, the now, now, Bill, what what is your what is your title today at Service Rocket? Does that change a lot? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> Head of content marketing. Title. I'm just a guy that works at Service Rocket that helps customers. Okay. I'm a customer helping kind of guy. That's my title. You like you are that. you are the the helper who sells. Director of marketing is my official title. Got it. Okay, but you you play you play kind of a broader role than that. Yeah, I do a lot of roles. I even do services delivery. I participate in the sales process as well and um, turning my attention out and more customer storytelling as well. That's going to happen soon. So well, uh, I do a lot of things. I have, I have fun. We're, we're excited to hear some, yeah. some of your, your stories today. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. I think that one of the, the cool things about having you on, Bill, is that you, you really get to see things from a couple of perspectives. Mm-hmm. You're out in the industry talking to a lot of customer success leaders and customer education leaders uh, in your role as the service rocket Learn dot guy, um, but also having those same conversations from a different perspective, I guess, as the host of Helping Sales Radio. So yeah. hopefully we can talk about both of those a little bit. I'll tell you what, doing a podcast and, and our format is interviewing people. It is so inspiring to talk to all these people and learn from them and just get them to talk. And I basically try to stay out of their way and let them tell their story. And it's amazing what you can learn. I'm inspired every time I do a show. It's unbelievable. You know, I got a I got a question, but but before that, what's the national day of uh, Adam? You know, today today is a National Baked Alaska Day. What? Have you I, had baked Alaska recently? That's not a not day. recently, but I'm really really close to. Uh, well, I take Alaska Airlines, so maybe they'll have it on the plane. <laughs> Wait, that's really a day a, a day for a pie. Yeah, today's a day for a pie. It was probably I bet it was coined in like the '60s or whenever <laughs> baked Alaska was still a a going concept. <laughs> um. So I, I've got a question here. Like we, we definitely going to talk about a lot of different things, but Bill, I, I have to say that it, you are legitimately the inspiration for a couple of projects that I started working on as I moved from Gainsight over to Azuqua, where I said, look, Bill's got this great thing going on with Helping Sales Radio. And what I loved about it is exactly what you're talking about. You get to listen to people. You're in a marketing role. I'm in a marketing role now too, which I, even though I'm in customer education, I love the fact that we can banter about things. We can talk about things. We can engage with people. So I, I have to give you props for that. I, I love helping sales radio. I listen to it all the time. And now that is part of the origin of us coming up with customer education, the C-Lab website. Or what, so I'm sorry, cut that out. Uh, the uh, Customer Education Laboratory podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's partially inspired by the work that you know you you and Sarah were doing in the early days mm-hmm. and now you're you're carrying forward. Yeah. You know, what I like about your podcast is it's you're really niching down to a very specific audience and talking 
these people who are struggling with, you know, how do I do the training thing for our customers kind of thing? And it, it doesn't exist. And so I've heard you say this a lot, Adam, that, that, that resources for this function in a software company doesn't exist. Tiny bits here and there, you and I have discussed, but um, this could be, you know, your podcast could be a source for that. I mean, everyone who's in a SaaS company, who's helping a customer somehow that wants to do some training, listen to this podcast. Subscribe today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being funny. Like Thanks, Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, I, I think it's true. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that they're, they're complimentary podcasts in some ways, right? Because you've been working for a while, for I think three years now. Yeah. We're on the third year. We're at episode 100 and early, low hundreds. Yeah. Now. That's phenomenal. And you, yeah, you've yeah. spent the entire time. I mean, some earlier you were talking to a lot of customer education leaders and practitioners, and then you've, you've really expanded to talking to customer success leaders and uh, I think you've had like psychologists and people on there, right? Like, Oh yeah. So, you know, the premise of helping sales radio is to say, okay, how can we help take, how can we take a helpful approach with customers? Now, what does that mean? It could mean well, helpful marketing, you know, cause most marketing is optimizing the click through rate. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So how does that help a customer? Well, that doesn't, but maybe there's a way we can. What, what about helpful selling? There's a philosophy out there that sales calls should be worth paying for that they should be that helpful, right? Not that you literally would pay, but that, that, that the prospect would get off the sales call and if it, you know, I would have paid for that call. Yeah. That was 50 useful. bucks, hundred bucks, yes, a thousand bucks. Exactly. Whatever. Right. Wow. I went a new, whole new revenue stream. Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you want a salesperson, you got to pay up, but I didn't, I didn't um, buy my product. Uh. Maybe if you just think about that <laughs> philosophically, isn't that what a salesperson should do? Like we've had some people in the sales, uh, sales enablement on the show and they talk about things like, for one example, uh, Matt Cameron, I forget the name of the episode, but he was telling the story about if you're selling to a CFO, you and you're an SDR or an account executive, you better provide the CFO some insight. So the sales call goes something like this. Hi, CFO. I understand in your business, your average days outstanding of collections is 97 days. Well, what we have found is that companies that implement this one thing reduce that by 17 days. And when I look at your, your revenue numbers on the internet, because they're post, right? Bloomberg, mm-hmm, right? based on my calculations, that would save you $13 million a year. Would you like to learn more about that? Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> please. I mean, right? <laughs> Now that's, you might see through the sales a new, pitch. That's a new boat. Come on. But should, <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's a helpful sales call. Yeah. Assuming, assuming I can back up the claim that I can help a CFO. But just to say to a CFO, I have a new solution for you, and I'd love to learn about your business. Like, who cares? Well, it's, sim- it's similar in some ways to the the challenger sale methodology, right? Yeah, it probably comes from that. Maybe Pro- probably comes from that. Yeah, so yeah. you you start with. Um, you know, something that that's very attention getting and maybe controversial. Here's the way you've been doing things, but we have a key insight that will help you change that. That's right. And I had actually read another book recently that I think is the the sequel to that. Um, and it's called the challenger customer. Yeah. And it actually, it takes the, the challenger sale approach and it flips it on its head. And it says, instead of here are the things that you as a rep should be doing to be helpful to your mm-hmm. customer and to help them think differently and change their schema. It's more about how do you help a champion in your organization and mobilize them to help advocate for change. Yeah. How do you help your customer buy from you? Yeah. Like that. Think of that. Whoa, that's mind blowing. If you think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and a lot of times we don't, right? We don't, we don't Correct. help our customers. We just try to sell to them. That's right. Yeah. And so that's what the show is, right? So you could take that to the, any step in the journey, a customer success 
a renewal step, a support step, whatever, and you can say, and professional services, you can say, how can me in that role structure it so that I'm being helpful to a customer? Yeah. Maybe a professional services team shouldn't nickel and dime every billable hour. And every time a customer asks for something, they say, oh, I'm sorry, it's not in scope. We better do a change request and go through a new statement of work. And blah, and blah, six weeks later, you know what? The, the consultant could have just spent an hour and Solve fixing, the solving the problem. Yep. And guess what? So who cares about the 250 bucks? Now, you can't do that all day long every day. Okay, I get that. But good grief. I mean, can't we just be a little helpful? <laughs> you know, so we had Jeffrey Moore on the show too. He's the crossing the chasm guy. Yeah, yeah. he used this term strategic generosity. Like strategically, can I give something to someone in marketing or in sales or in services or whatever the thing is in the journey? Um, wouldn't that help be helpful with loyalty and retaining a customer, making customers think we're want to be part of their life and help them do well, their thing? Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, or just frame up this part of the discussion. I was formerly a LearnDot customer, right? I, I used the product, Service Rocket owns LearnDot, yeah. And I'm interested to see how you got into the podcasting world and and started to add this on because for me, it it really helped helped me frame up thinking about how you're an authority, but you're not just there to sell me something. You're, you're actually putting this podcast out in addition to really having a collaborative type of consultancy mm -hmm. with helping me to get to solutions. At one point, you invited me in my former role to come and be on the show with you, yep. which was kind of cool because then it was another way of like, you're kind of actively listening to me and other people can bounce off questions mm -hmm. of, of both of us. So how did you get to the point where you decided, I'm going to do this podcast thing? What was the inspiration for it? Uh, there kind of a couple of reasons. I had been thinking Sarah Brown, Sarah E. Brown, you're out there somewhere. Hi, Sarah. She, yeah. <laughs> we miss you. She made <laughs> noted author Sarah Brown. Right. She has a book, The Startup People. Yeah. yeah. I've had her on the show as after she, she was a co-host on this show, right? Um, I joke and say she made me do it, but um, I had in parallel been thinking about, oh, maybe I'll do a podcast someday. And um, she had helped uh, another company as a consultant start a podcast that was pretty good. Um, Rachel Wright and not, not Rachel Wright. Rachel English and uh, they work at Zwar now, but I can't remember the names. Damn! But oh, what's the name of that podcast? Um, it was Customer Success Radio. Yeah, so I listened to that. Yeah, so look that up. It's still on iTunes. Yeah, and that's some good guests. Um, but so so that aside, what we wanted to do was tell stories from experts out there and how they are helping customers do something better. I mean, it was as simple as that. So if you think of my role as a learn dot person for a product at Service Rocket, um, we specifically didn't call it anything like customer training or customer education. And we didn't, um, it was bigger than that because, you know, Ser Service Rocket, we're in the so business of software adoption mm -hmm. right at a higher level. And if you go higher, it's more like we just want to help people. You know, because real people have to use software to do a real job and then go to work all go home and go to work all stressed out because the software doesn't work. <laughs> all the, you know, really high level. It's like, gosh, if only the software was a little bit easier to use or I learned one little extra thing today or if it was sold better. I mean, if you were a high level, right? That's what it's about. And so, gosh, if we can get people to say yes to come on and tell their story about how they do it in different parts of the journey, I think people who work in software companies can learn from that can go, wow, uh, 
that's a really good insight from Dave or from Adam, right? They're on the show. Um, that was a really inspiration for the show. That's yeah. really cool. We didn't do it intentionally for, oh, we're going to track every lead, every listen, and see what business we get. It wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically not. It was about how can we take a helpful approach, build an audience around this movement of being helpful and not nickel and diming. Mm-hmm. That's the future. So yeah. I say. That seems like it's ingrained a little bit into your DNA. You know, start start from the helpful position and see where it takes you. I think so. Yeah. It's a new model. And I think it works better because you feel a lot more open and honest. There's more transparency. It's, you hear my voice. I'm not just a drop in the bucket that nobody cares about. We're actually having a dialogue here. Yep. Well, and we've talked about that even in terms of customer education, right? We've seen the tide start to shift from customer education being this pure service where sort of like you were talking about, Bill, where... You know, everything is nickel and dimed. Everything's in an SOW. Um, it's a very formal event too. Yeah, you want a course, pay up. Right. To, to now people starting to embrace uh, education as a way to do content marketing, to build brand awareness, to, yeah. to do totally. all these things in the market that really help build that familiarity yep. and, and are just helpful. Yes. Are there, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of different um, companies and you've talked to a lot of different customer education leaders. Uh, are there some that you've seen out there that you feel like are, are also really embracing this helping sales mentality? And, and if so, do you have any examples of people who've done anything really interesting in that area? Uh, you know, yes, probably a lot. And I think it's like there, there really are two camps. There is what I would say the people that want to run it as a business and make some money doing it because it's a valuable service, okay? And it might not be a margin or a P&L business. Maybe they just want to recover their costs, and but they want to sell it because it's, you know, it's not a charity. We're trying to right. make shareholders happy, okay? Um, and that doesn't mean they do things, they don't do things for free, but I mean, the core is, hey, if you want, this, if you want some expert to come to your house for three whole days, it's going to cost you, okay? Um, and it's going to be valuable, okay? Now, on the other extreme, there's the, I like to say the SaaS companies, and their attitude is, no, training should be part of the service because we care about adoption. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, I joke and say, well, what do you think? The other companies don't care about adoption, and that's what they... So by charging, they think adoption's no good. <laughs> so the argument is that it's free because we care about adoption, I think, is really silly. Um, not, I don't think the idea of doing it all for free is silly. I think saying that because we care about adoption, well, everybody cares about that. That's we the do. whole point of staying in business, right? Um, but there's these two um, camps and the people on this side say, I'm not charging ever. And then this other side says, I am going to charge first and then maybe we'll get to some free stuff later. And so mm-hmm. both are good and both is a cultural thing and a business model thing, right? So you obviously every single open source company is going to sell training and that's how they make their money, yep. right? Um, and look, I just think you need to meet in the middle. You got to do both. You can't Great. just do one or the other, I think. And that doesn't mean you have to do them all right now, but you have to build into it. You need a mix. You need a mix. Yeah. Because guess what? That SaaS company today is in the early stages, they're selling to early adopters. They're, they're selling their product to early adopters. And early adopters don't want a four-day course. They'll figure it out. That's the point. But Citibank is going to call them one day, and every SaaS company goes, oh, my God, our first big <laughs> enterprise customer, like Citibank or Ford or Unilever or what Toyota, whatever. And guess what they're going to say? So you have a big training program for us. Send out our, send your people out to our team and do 14 days of whatever to do thing. 
and then you panic, and then it's like we have nothing because well, here's a video, and the Toyota laughs at you like video. Are you nuts? <laughs> are you out of your mind? You're sending me to YouTube. I mean, or your website. I mean, whatever. It looks right? like you're devaluing your product. We spent, you know, fifteen million dollars. I hope on you. Something like that, right? Yeah. That happens. And if you're not prepared for that, I mean, you're just behind. You're just like it's a credibility thing, and people catch up, and they the fire drill goes, and people do it, and they fine. They catch up, but think about that. You, you can't now. Maybe you have a self service product that's all it'll ever be, mm-hmm. right? And that's fine too. Just do some videos. And then make your checklist and on your onboarding checklist and do your walkthroughs and all that stuff. Perfect. Love it. But if Citibank calls, you're going to drop or, everything. Whatever. You know what's funny when you say that? Um, this That exact thing happened to me at Gainsight, where we had started off building all this on demand stuff. We'd done some instructor led stuff. And then that one day, a big client X mm-hmm. called and said, the city, um, Don't tell me what, a Citibank. No, it wasn't Citibank. <laughs> Just uh, I, in, in fact, this was more than one. But these these companies were big, and change management was a big deal, mm-hmm. and they wanted to, wanted it to go through a formal mode. And I think that's where they like, bring it into. I think what you're talking about is the perils of that customer education leader that's trying to navigate this waters of here on one end in a, in a very large organization where you have uh, instructional designers and these people that have been building services. Uh, oriented material, that's what they live with every day. They're used to it. But most of the time, and and we're going to talk about this in a separate podcast about how that journey, your journey gets you here. So to frame it into that customer education bent, you've got to be prepared for anything. And and that's where we're going. Like sometimes you're going to have to do that. Sometimes uh, on-demand material by itself works. And that's that's an interesting observation. Yeah, and, and I mean, Bill, I think to your point as well, we, we see more and more customer education that reflects the, the model of the company who's offering it. So if you have Correct. an enterprise product and you're really trying to roll it out, then change management is the focus. And having one-on-one time that is paid for and, and adequately priced and adequately tracked, yep. that's got to be a component of it. Yep. Um, but if you have a growth product and, you know, let's, let's say, I, I think Dropbox actually might be a good example of this, right? Oh. Like Dropbox, um, you know, they have to scale out their growth product mm-hmm. to a bunch of people who are getting onboarded and just need to get, you know, get on the ropes, right? Yep. yep. Learn the ropes. And then get on the ropes. Get on the ropes. I was like, I was like, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> that's the wrong the position. Phrase. Um, get, get off the ropes and, and learn the ropes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then they have to go train large enterprise customers on how to actually work with Dropbox day in, day out. That's right. You know, I, I have started collecting stories um, and I'm coming up with acquisition targets for all these software companies. And then I'll tell you a story about that. So imagine, okay, let's talk about agile as a thing. Everyone wants to be agile. We're agile and we do scrum. Okay, fine. Everybody says that now. Okay. So now there are software you can buy to do scrum and Kanban, right? All kinds of, Project management tools do this, right? Jira, Trello, Asana, Rike, oh, or whatever. The list okay. goes on. Okay, so now I go out and I'm going to transform my company to be agile and I go out and buy Jira. Okay, now my team doesn't know how to do it. Scrum. Mm-hmm. But I just bought Jira and Jira, I can set up Scrum boards. So here's a dilemma, right? If you are the software company, there's the underlying work methodology, which like you talked about, like the work process, like it's called Scrum, okay? Then you have software. 
So the customer starts getting training from you because they, oh yeah, train us. So you start doing buttons and here's how you start your sprint and here's how you set up your back click here to set up your whatever. And the, and the people in the room are sitting there going, uh, what's a sprint? <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of taking it to the extreme, but like, well, what's a sprint? And so what's a backlog? You know, what's a story point? Are you nuts? What are you talking? So now the decision is, do I, as a software company, go into the scrum training business? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Guess what? The Scrum Alliance is in the Scrum training business, mm -hmm. and they make money doing it. Mm -hmm. So why doesn't the software company buy that? Acquire it. That, there's yeah. an audience of thought. Do you know the Project Management Institute has, oh, I have the number. Of my, I have the number. It's a, it's a $30 million business. I believe Goodness. it. Millions of members, and every single one of them needs to buy software to run their projects. Yeah. Can I interest you in a $30 million business software company? Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you think about it that way, where's the audience? I'm trying to sell my software to a market of project managers because I sell Rike or I sell Microsoft Project, whatever they are. I mean. Even Trello. Yeah. Right. New Horizons, we all have heard of. That's a $33 billion a year business. Good Lord. Tr technology training. And so the companies I talk to that say we don't want to charge for training because our customers aren't willing to pay for it. Uh, excuse me. Someone's willing to pay $33 billion a year to show up to learn how to use software. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe it's not your software because you're SaaS and you're advanced and, and you have different whatever. I'm just throwing it out there as examples of companies that they need to be looking at this. Where is your audience? How are you helping someone? If, if someone's buying the agile software from you and you're not helping them be better at agile, an, an adoption thing might be slower than you want. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not, right? But maybe it does. Yeah. Now, now, Bill, speaking of Agile, you, you've also written a book, The Art of Agile Marketing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure people on this podcast want to hear about that. Well, yeah. I, I am, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, uh, what, what, I do. Do you, what do you think? That, well, yeah. I mean, I, well, I do for, for us kind of a, a selfish interest, but I think our, our listeners, our audience can actually learn from this because I develop content very similar to how you built your book from because I remember you talking about, OK, we did sprints to build this and we got to this lesson and we did this. I don't want to steal your thunder, but yeah. I think it's relevant. I think that book is relevant to our audience as a methodology to help quickly loop and refine content. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I, you know, there's a way for a customer education team to use those processes to do work. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wrote the book is because everyone thinks scrum and Kanban and agile are for software developers. And so the moment you hear Scrum and you're not a software developer, you think, oh, I don't, first of all, I don't know what it is. And second of all, or it's for software company, for software developer teams. And that is such baloney. I know the software development people actually made it. So, of course, it's for them. But it is such BS. If you read the Scrum <laughs> guide, it's like a 12-page summary of what Scrum is. The manifesto? Uh, the manifesto. <laughs> not even the manifesto. The Scrum guide, Jeff Sutherland's PDF. If you Google Scrum guide, the PDF will be like result number one. And it's like a 12-page PDF that says this is a sprint, this is a backlog, this is a daily stand-up, all this. And you're like, that's it? I just have to organize my projects and plan every week and do a bunch of meetings and hold people accountable and blah, blah, blah? That's it. And there's no reason why I couldn't release a training course with this process. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. I've, I've seen teams do it, too. Yeah, see? I've so, done it. Yeah, so why? I, I, that yeah, doesn't mean I can't use... use a Sorry, go, ahead. Go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that at Optimizely, we we used a, a Kanban board to track our own 
development of yeah. knowledge-based articles and of courses. Yeah. And then at Checker, we did the same thing. We had a cross-functional team working off of a, a Trello board. So I'll give you an example of how we did it when we started. So uh, we were building a training course for Stash. It was Lassian product. Now it's called Bitbucket. Okay. No, so, Bitbucket, yeah. Um, you know, Git repository stuff that nah, I don't understand. But we're building this course. <laughs> the first sprint... So in, in Scrum, you do sprints. At the end of a sprint, you're supposed to produce some minimal viable whatever, and you produce it, and you ship it to your customer, and they give you feedback. Okay. The first sprint, we delivered a course description, put it on the website, and made it for sale. We have a course. It's for sale. And it's, scheduled, it's a live course, webinar style, like remote, right? Virtual, whatever. And it's going to be delivered, you know, six weeks from now, October 3rd. And that was, the, that was what we shipped, right? Guess what? People bought it. And you hadn't built it yet. We had not built it yet. <laughs> so now panic sets in and blah, blah, blah. But that's the point, right? A, a normal instructional designer and like me in a previous life, it wouldn't even occur to me to do that. Oh, my God, I haven't gone through the second D yet. How could I possibly, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Addy, right? So You had die left, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Just die. Yeah, so, so, so if, if you... you it doesn't mean Scrum is better than anything else. It's just a way of working. And that helped us. And guess what? We got customer feedback. You know what the feedback was? An invoice. Yeah. Right? I don't need to ask anybody anything. I yeah. put it out there. Not me. I mean, we. I mean, I did actually do it. But um, put it out there and people bought it. Yeah. And now we have four and a half weeks to make a three-hour course. Now, that's, you know, you have to, uh, you better do weekly sprints and get the outlines ready and the learning objectives tied up. I mean, we weren't completely blank page, right? But um, yeah, I mean, that's an example. So then every week you produce something else and then it's done. You roll it out. Oh, was that instructor-led or was that on That was instructor-led. So yeah, so the time commitment to, to do that was more reasonable. Correct. Over uh, in, you know, interactive on-demand type. See, this program. is why I, um, so let's go to customer education. This is why I always recommend when people come to me and say, you know, we want to do all videos, we want to do uh -huh. scalable because a million people and marginal cost of whatever. Okay, fine. But I always say you want to do live first. Trust me, because in that scenario for us, the worst case scenario was that if we didn't finish the course, we could still put a smart person on the phone, sharing the screen, saying this is how you run the software. Yeah. Right? And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all addied up and whatever. Glorious. and <laughs> A smart person, like we talked about earlier today, Adam's like a smart person with a smart customer and figure it out. Mm -hmm. So that was like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you can deliver a course fairly quickly like that and get in front of customers and teach topics that they care about, you kind of got to get that right. Right. Um, but then you get you learn what they want you learn the flow of what you should teach they tell you i don't get it and then you refine the order and blah blah mm -hmm. blah, blah. Oh, you do cycles of this you teach this course over and over you do it again again then yeah. go to the videos and like i really have dialed in a habit of oh this topic is always better after that topic even though you started oh no they have to learn this first right and so you, you you can't do that by making a video yeah you're you're using the live course almost as a, a prototype yeah I haven't used thought about it like that, but yes, that's exactly right. It's it's something I struggle with this, frankly, because you know you you say start with the live course, and I usually say start with scale. Totally, and yeah. Know, like we we yeah, and we, we've done both, and we've all done, of we, us. Yeah, we we've, we've all tried different methods to do that, and I don't think there's one right answer to it. But I, I like the idea. Of, I agree. 
using the less scalable courses to prototype? I think you define the problem. Like, so, so let me frame this up again. So in customer education, we, we're, we, like, I remember when you were talking about that, start with instructor led first. Yeah. And I've done that and it works. And then we've also talked and actually in the last two gigs that I've had, and particularly with Azuqua, it's all on demand first. Totally, yes. and, yep. and the the inside, on, like on this side of my my shoulder, on, on my right side, if you can't see it, <laughs> yes. uh, I've got Bill. Yeah. Right, and Bill's like, no, you really need to prototype this and do this. Yeah. And then on the other side, I've got Adam, <laughs> and Adam's gonna be like, dude, you know, just go. No, but to, to, seriously, in this space, I think what's most valuable to you as a listener and those of you who are becoming leaders is to have an open mind because in some cases, yes, that like I, I, like when I do something brand new and I know I've got to deliver it, your mode is the right one. But if I got time and I make, put a little polish on, I'm going to go on demand because I know I have to do it over and over again and I've got the time to do it. Right. And, and, and certainly you can use both. Now one, one thing that I see, I think one of the, the myths or misconceptions or, uh, bad idea that those. stops growth dead in its tracks is is the idea that people start doing um, an ILT or a live course and they deliver mm-hmm. it over and over and over. And then all of a sudden what they find is that all of their time is now committed to delivering this course. And so they actually never get around Correct. to making it scalable or making video. So how do you, how do you break out of that? Uh, well, to me, the first reaction to that is schedule it right. <laughs> oh. Just do it one, every Tuesday. Like, what are you doing? Like, just because the customer... Now, so if you do it just every Tuesday, let's pretend Monday is prep for the day and then you teach the thing on Tuesday, okay? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you have to wrap up Tuesday afternoon, okay? We got Thursday, for, thir- uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Make a video. Like, so in other words, live teaching is an annuity. Now, I go back to my employee training days, okay? I re- 2,000 employees of E-Trade in the late 90s went through me. That's amazing. And then my team. Okay. So if you talk to somebody at E-Trade in the late nineties and early two thousands, I was, I was, my fingers were on that. <laughs> so if they weren't doing their job well, you can blame me. Um, but the point is when I started doing this live in classroom, new hire training, here's how you do the software to help a customer with their stocks. Okay. Um, man, the first three months I was stressed out every single week preparing at night. Oh my God, what's a stock option? Oh my God, a long straddle. Oh my, wait, how do you explain that again? I'm short selling. How do you sell something you don't own? I got to explain that. Oh my God. So, but after three months, I could walk in and for the entire three weeks, no prep, I could walk in at 7.58 and just know everything I'm going to do. I even knew the mistakes I was going to make. So the mistakes I was making in the first three months, I just worked those into my material. I did them intentionally to get people to catch me. It became a thing because... Oh, oh you mean like Weenie? Yes. Weenie was what Walt Disney called oh. uh, a thing that you intentionally put in to get people to look at that mistake so they missed yes, the Yes, I did that <laughs> because I was doing it. I didn't. I was re- making legit mistakes early on, right? And I go, and there was someone say, hey, two plus two is not... Seven bill. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's on the whiteboard. Math so, is hard. I'm, what I'm saying is, if you um, to, to your time point, you know, the first bunch of times you teach that class, it's a lot of prep, it's hard work, and not doing anything else. It's stressful, right? Because you don't know what the questions are going to ask and all that. But gosh, after after a few rev- revision, a few revolutions of that, you can just walk in and go. Yeah. So that's now you have mental space 
to think about how else can I take this class, right? And if I let myself limit the number of times I teach it, like to once a week, yeah, or whatever. I'm just and as also an also maybe maybe makes a case for if if you have something that's successful in one modality, then you repurpose should it for re- another. Yeah, yes. repurpose it, and then that's where you get your second headcount. I, I got one. Like I I was thinking about all of this stuff and. I started using Twitch. Remember I said I was uh, a long time ago? I don't know how ago? to do that, by the way. That's another day. Uh, we, we told actually, you could see me. And to your point of scheduling and to this whole discussion, okay. every Tuesday at 10 a.m., I'm live on Twitch. And to your point, Bill, and actually, I bridged the gap. And this is like, I, I, I take feedback on this. You guys can be right me if you want. Uh, but it's working. So what I do is I have a stock product demo. I give that product demo every week. But every week, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So what I do, like the last two weeks, I've covered Zendesk. And the product that, that I'm training on is called Azuqua. So I'm connecting to a lot of different things. The point is, I do the product demo. And in that prep time, I use use cases that are different every week. Mm-hmm. And I literally say, okay, guys, I'm going to slow down because I'm going to record a little bit here that I'm going to use somewhere else. And I intro it. And then I go long form. And then I snip that out and I put it on a marketing material and I move on. Yep. So I'm generating. Cool so you, you you deliberately know what you're going to cut out and repurpose. And you you frame it up that way. Yeah, and I say, okay, Mark, I'm going to do that. And yeah. and maybe that's annoying to people who are listening. Nobody's complained to me. I, I hope they would, because I try to do it kind of in a light way that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It does. It's not disruptive. But I say, well, I'm going to get in my. I don't know where my lab coat every week, but yeah. uh, I get in my my speaker voice and I say, no, I'm going to do the demo, and I do that, and it's only three minutes, and then we go long form. Yeah, yeah. And then I find it's generating that on demand content automatically. Because when I give it to my editor, I say, snip this here, snip this here, snip this here. I take those, I put them on the different pages. Then I take the long form one and put up somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a little non sequitur. Um, last night, we were at the, the customer education meetup where Dave was speaking. And uh, we, were, we were at uh, 225 Bush uh, in downtown San Francisco. Not the beer. And, uh, not, yeah, not, <laughs> not the beer. And, uh, you know, Dave, you were, you were, you were talking about uh, your, your Twitch stream. And, and we said, well, Dave, look to your left. And uh, one one block away was the Twitch headquarters, oh. and your eyes lit up. <laughs> like I, I I saw you almost like running he started, over there. If you he didn't started have to have Twitch. Is that they wouldn't yeah. let me in. I didn't try. <laughs> um, I, I, if anybody ever listens to this and you work at Twitch, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Bill, back back to you. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's ask the important questions. Do you recommend to our listeners that they use uh, life insurance as an investment vehicle? Not a whole. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Whoa, no, actually, we're serious this is, no, this, here. This, but... this, is, this is what I want to ask. Um, you, you've also been running workshops on customer education strategy. Totally, yes. Which I think would be super useful both to our audience listening yeah. here as as well as as yeah. others. I, I'm curious. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that and why why you've been doing it, and maybe even some of the things you've learned along the way putting that course together. Oh yeah. Uh, um, first of all, one of the one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things to do is teach this workshop actually uh, because I, all I really have to do is facilitate a discussion of smart people figuring out their business. So what happens is a lot of people come to us and they, I'll just take one particular customer as an example who bought a workshop from us and they paid, it was private, we went on site and you know, um, and they knew nothing about customer education, okay? But they did know that training customers has got to be a thing and that we know that other software companies must be doing this because software is hard and they must. Okay, so 
Service Rocket, please help us do that. Cool. And since we had this workshop, they go, oh my God, that's exactly what we want. So forget that they're going to buy an LMS or not. Like, whoa, I don't even know how to you know, click upload SCORM package, right? So uh, they're, not, they're not there yet. Yeah. So this is a way of saying, okay, let's spend the day together. Let's work this out. And so we take them through this process of discovering, and Adam, you use the phrase charter, right? Mm-hmm. And I, we use the phrase goals, just purpose, yeah. right? And so we start off with goal setting and we can get into the details of that if you want to. Like, where are we going? Yeah. Right? First, forget about how. I mean, how is scary, right? We'll never go anywhere if we <laughs> worry about how first. So I force this group to say, okay, do you want to double your revenue? Do you want to like double your, your retention rate? Do you want to like increase the number of times people click share on the chart that they made in your visual charting software? Like, do you want to do that? And they go, yeah, we want to do that. So um, <laughs> goals first. Yep. Uh, second step would be that we go through this exercise of uh, assessing the maturity of their education function, right? Are they in the beginner range or are they kind of advanced or something in between? Because what we do then is you say, well, we're very beginner. We had this lofty goal that we just set 10 minutes ago without realizing where we were going. Like, oh my gosh, maybe we better figure out how we're going to get to a level three of a mature, a later maturity, of, yeah. right? Um, and then the final stage, like the whole afternoon is like we built a roadmap, right? What are you going to do in Q1 to get to a place where you're one step closer to making that goal? And then we do like a five-year roadmap, literally. And we write down on the whiteboard everything they're going to do. Now, high level, right? Of course. Like in, in, in quarter four of year three, they might write down launch certification program pilot. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you're not going to do a certification program this month, right. obviously. But that, and everyone in the room goes, oh, my God, we want certified uh-huh. people in our software. Everybody wants some kind of competence that people could put a badge on and yeah. people hire. Some authority, and it's great. I mean, there's, anyway, we can go into certifications if you want to later. But So if we all want to get there, but what they see with this roadmap approach is at the same time, they know exactly what they're going to do this quarter, which is today's work, while at the same time they have built a long-term vision. Because they know, oh my gosh, in year five, we're going to have a certification program, right? And one customer um, came to the realization in their year three, four, and five that they were going to become the visual, be known for the visual communication company. So this is a company that makes the like charts and flow charts and things, right? So it starts off with help people use the software to make their whatever, right? But they're like, oh my gosh, we could become the academy for visual communications that's a great light bulb moment. Yeah. Think about, so all of a sudden they have a long-term vision. Now everything they do up until that. So that's the workshop basically. Well, and that's great because that, that condenses down what could be, you know, weeks or, or months of work. I mean, you know, thinking about as a customer education leader, when, when I go to pitch my vision to executives yep. or try to roadmap quarter over quarter or a, you know, a, a multi-year plan, that's exactly what I'm doing. Exactly so you're helping right. people do that in an afternoon. I do. And it's day. like, so what I tell people in the workshop is you're going to be able to take this thing that you've just written up and you're going to be able to take it to your management team and say, here's our plan. Right. So I've also taught them like, here's our goal. Here's where we're going. Here's how, and here's how we're going to get there. And the other part is I give them the roadmap language. So now they can go talk to executive teams of software companies and product teams who use the roadmap language. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden when a customer education person starts using roadmap, it's almost like a little bit of extra legitimacy. 
a little almost a little extra respect there because I hey we have a roadmap yeah. we know exactly what we're doing in Q two of year three now not exactly but um, then we say we talk about this approach where your roadmap is now your communications tool every month or every quarter you can go in and say here's where we are and what we said we were going to do and if the CEO says oh my gosh stop the presses change the world we're we're pivoting you say okay what do you want here's our roadmap. What do you want us to do? We'll swap this for this. We'll swap that for that. We'll add this in. And, that, and even if you don't get everything you want, every, everyone knows that, oh, gosh, we could just swap out what we we're going to do in year one at the yeah. end of year one, replace it with what you just said. We'll do that now. We'll stop doing these videos or these whatever, and we'll start doing this new thing. Like, oh, perfect. Now we have a new roadmap, but it's the same roadmap. But you're, you're communicating with intention. You're communicating trade-offs, and you're, you're treating what you do like a yeah. product, not just like a... A frivolity. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to make it sound like this is just you make a roadmap and your life is saved. I mean, it's not that easy. You still you have, have the work to yeah, do. Of course. The, I mean, it's still like I have to persuade people. It's a tool people. to communicate the thought that you've put into it. That's right. Already. And, exactly. Yeah. Well, and you and I were talking about this earlier today, right? Like you, as a customer education team, you have to find that balance between what does the organization care about this month, this week, this year? <laughs> well, that's right. Isn't it? And what is your guiding light as, as a customer education that's team? Right. What are you here to do? So... That's what I hope this strategy workshop helps people realize is that they have the long-term story arc of their vision, yeah. right? We're heading to this place to be the visual communication hub, okay? But in the middle, we can be swapping things around on the way to that. Yeah. And it doesn't freak us out, you know? Because like, hey, we have a plan. Plans are made to be changed, you know, yeah. Uh, but we could always just save as on this document and change things and give it a new name. <laughs> All right. Version yeah. control. Is. Yes, exactly. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, That's Bill, if, if our listeners are interested in this workshop, um, how should they find out more about it? Uh, I would go to learn.com and there's three sections on the website. It's there's a strategy section, an execution section. And uh, oh, my gosh, there's another section. Um, and, and read up. There's a way to contact through the strategy session to sign up for one of those or to contact someone to learn more. Like, what is it? Cool. Right? Cause we do them public sessions at our office and we do private ones. And we can, we'll, we'll throw a link in the show notes too. And if I recall you, I think I went through one, one of the versions that you had virtual, uh, virtual instructor led version of that early on. Uh, we've have... done it. Yeah. Virtual instructor led. We've done that too. And we're, it's been, we've been experimenting with it. How it's do you do really it? Self paced. We might like, could it be done self paced? I do the videos, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it might be able to. Right? Sure. Maybe you can. Why? Yeah, why not? I mean, we want to do what we say others should do and like have options. Right? Right. Makes sense. And we don't do it perfectly either. Right? You know, because we're busy too, just like everybody else. So yeah. we have live, we have on, so we had the workshops, we have on site, and we've done it virtually online. We just haven't done the self paced yet. We're getting to it. Also, yeah. probably gives you a good opportunity to uh, use, use learn dot on learn dot, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. We call it lol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> lol. Let's, let's all have a lol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So that's so we'll we'll throw that link in the show notes um, cool. for helping sales radio. That's available on all your major podcasters of choice. Is yeah, that right? just on your podcast app. Just type helping sales radio. All right, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll throw a link there too. And uh, Bill, uh, what what else would you like our our uh, listeners to know? Oh my gosh. I oh, mean, no. with it within reason. Oh, okay. I was about to go down that road. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I think, look, I'll just talk about the workshops. There's one lesson I've learned in these workshops, which I didn't expect to learn. But when we, when we go through that goal exercise and Adam, I, you and I talked about this morning, 
when we talk about the goals, people are reluctant to get to a number. So let's just give an example. Everyone says we want to get people to adopt our software, improve adoption. Okay, well, that means nothing to me. Okay, what's adoption? Does that mean logging in? Logging in four times a day? Does that mean um, logging in? So what is increased feature use? Click on the opportunity tab. Is that what that means? Does that mean add a dollar amount? Okay, so um, one quick story. Uh, uh, one of these companies that hired us for a, a strategy session, they make the visual tool mm -hmm. thing. Okay. They know that when someone, because they have a free to paid product. Okay. So they know when somebody shares one of their flow charts with someone in their organization, like 88% of those people convert to paid. Wow. Okay. So it's like, and this is literally true. And, and, and I'm not the one saying they should know that. They're like coming up with it in the work. Like, oh my gosh, our VP of, of analytics did this study and showed it on our, and told us this. So like, okay, let's stop there. Now here's our goal. This is how we think about education goals. Is like, well, I want people to get to this number. That's why I'm telling the story. Like you have to get to the, find out whatever that number is for you, right? The mm -hmm. share. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make a goal that says, if we know that a hundred customers clicked the share button and and an 86% of those and 86 of those customers converted to paid, here's our goal in education. We're going to try to get that number from a hundred to share to 110 to share by the end of the whatever. And we are going to get that 86 number of people who paid. We're going to get that number up to 94. Yeah, that's the level of goal. And there's other ways to make the goal, but the goal has to be, I'm just saying, if you want to do education, right. And you want to do it legitimately and be respected in by your executive team, you have to pick a number to go after, like in that way, speaking their language and, yes. and their metrics, you have to align to that, like an OKR, you're aligned to the particular outcomes so, and objectives of the company and stop saying we're here to improve adoption. If that's your thing, say, no, mm -hmm. we're increasing this use of the product by using the share button, but from this number to that number every month or every whatever, that's what I say. Get to the number. Totally. That's it. I don't, I don't know anything else. Accomplished athlete too. So. I don't know. Yeah. Someone who knows about getting to the number. Yeah, I'm a slow athlete. <laughs> <laughs> All hey, right, well, better slow than not. You yeah. have fun. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for being on the show well, with us This is a today. lot of fun, yeah. And listeners, if you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at simplycustomer.education, the best URL in the land. There you can find show notes and other materials. And please, if you found value in this podcast, please share it with your friends. Share it with your peers. Share it with your beers. With your, no, I'm sure with beer. Over beers. Over beers. <laughs> share it over beers. My beers aren't getting any customer and, and your network <laughs> to help us find the others. Um, uh, rating it on your podcast app of choice makes all the difference. The algorithms are super into it. And on Twitter, I am at Avramescu. And I'm at Dave Darrington. Oh, I'm at Bill Cush. Bill Cush. And to our audience, thanks for joining us. Go out and educate experiment and find your people. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Hi everyone. Dave here from C-Lab Podcast. If you're finding value in this podcast, we'd really like to get to know who you are. So we're going to ask you to click on our site and add yourself to our mailing list. We're going to agree not to spam you, but at some point in the future, we may have special events, certain podcasts we want you to join on, or we might even throw in a class or two. So sign up today. It's not going to cost you anything. And again, we promise not to bug you. Thanks, everybody.